0: What's up, Zinger Nation? Welcome back to Moon or Bust. Your home for all things crypto at Benzinga. Thanks for sticking around with us today. Make sure you smash that like button and get this out to more viewers who could see. Ryan, Bitcoin is ripping today. ETH is ripping, uh, but you may, you're maybe not so excited. We'll get into that and more in the comments. Make sure you let us know how you're doing in the chat below. If you're bullish, drop a one. If you're bearish, drop a zero. We will get into it in just a second. All right, Ryan, I have the fancy schmancy Bitcoin chart here for you today. Uh, and I'll let you kick it off. We're moving up a little bit. We're at $31,296. Man, I did not see that one coming. How about you?
2: Yeah, man. I mean, we need to see some support here. I think we are at $30,000. What are we looking at here? Are these the one-day candlesticks? These or are, are the have-
0: one-day candlesticks. Okay. Yep.
2: Well, we're finally seeing some green. The weekly candle is green as well, which I love to see. Uh, but I mean... I'm not sure where we're going from here. I thought we would hold support at 30K. It looks like we dip below. But when you look at the weekly candles, it looks like maybe just wicks below. Uh, where did we go? Where did the weekly candle close at last week? That looks like the
0: lowest weekly candle we've seen yet. Here are the weekly candles. So here's this week that just started. Last week ended up closing green, uh, luckily. But I think there was about 10 before that that were red in a row. Lowest one wick down to $25,000 on Binance. Uh, and now we are back up, wicked up to 3160 trading right below that right now at 31300 Ryan, are you buying? Are you selling? Is this a fake out? I mean, it's still correlated with the rest of, of the market. So, what, what's your thought on the macro Man, environment? Well,
2: personally, I'm doing absolutely nothing. As you guys know, I'm a long term investor. Uh, I bought some on the dip, but I'm not looking to make any trades. But if I was a trader, I'd consider buying at this point. I think we need to see a relief rally. Like you said, we saw 10 weekly candles in a row uh, that were red. And we've never seen that before in Bitcoin's history. So this could be a buy. Uh, I could see this going mid-30s, maybe even up to 40K as a relief rally. I think we might be in for a crypto winter, uh, but that's yet to be seen. I mean, we are in a downtrend. That's happened now for Man, almost six months. Uh, but like I said, I think we need some relief. I could see us going to mid-30s, maybe even 40,000 uh, dollars, but maybe the bottom isn't in. I mean, if we have a year to go before all-time highs or even six months to go before all-time highs, then I don't think the bottom's in. We could spend some time between 20 to 30,000 uh, dollars, but that might not happen for a couple months, right Now, I'm really hoping that the Ethereum merge will actually take us out of this bear market, which should occur in August, so I guess that's only about three months away now, if that actually occurs. So I'm waiting for that. Uh, But for right now, I could see a relief rally happening in the short term. And then I could see another couple months of trading maybe between $25,000 to $35,000. What's your sentiment, Logan?
0: Yeah, Ryan, you see I have these two red lines on the chart down here. This is the range I think we could definitely fall below and would definitely mark a bottom. Uh, But that being said, we've already tested it. Uh, and the you know the moving averages might just come up to make this the bottom. Okay, so I'm not completely convinced. I'd say it's 50-50 right now for myself personally, whether the bottom is in or not. Uh, but just like Ryan, I'm a long-term trader, so that doesn't, or a long-term investor, I should say. So the you know the trading, whether the bottom is in or not, isn't too impactful for me because I'm going to continue to DCA all of my positions, Ryan. There is some big, big news coming out from the United States government tomorrow. Uh, I want you to break that down for us. But first, let's take a look at ETH and see if there's anything unique on this chart. I'm going to pull up the weeklies again. Uh, basically the same thing here. Uh, Maybe maybe we can get rid of these lines, try to draw some new ones. But uh, I think we're following Bitcoin right now.
2: I'd agree with that. Maybe we can go back to Bitcoin and look at the one day candlesticks for the traders out there maybe looking to make a short term play.
0: All right, Ryan, you are the trader. If there's one between (laughs) us, break it down for me.
2: I mean, we are in an uptrend. It looks like we have been for about seven days, and we dipped down to where we've been trading for about a couple of weeks. Uh, but we do have a big green candlestick today, which is good to see. Hopefully, we'll pass that $31,000 mark, close above it, and continue on our way up. Uh, yet to be seen. But like I said, if I was a short-term trader, I'd consider buying at this
0: point. We've seen so much downside. I think we do need this relief rally to happen. That would be very nice. I feel like this is a good time for this meme. Focus on the text, sir. Uh, just remember... Bitcoin, ETH, keep it simple when things are choppy.
2: Shout out to Irene. <laughs>
0: shout, <and Irina laughs> shout out boy. to Irene and Irene. I don't know, man. I thought uh, that was fake. I really don't know anything about that. But uh, we do know a little bit about the upcoming U.S. regulation surrounding cryptocurrency. That may be the reason the market is moving today, uh, you know, especially on the crypto side of things. Ryan, you did a little bit of research into that this morning. Uh, what, what are we looking for? What can we expect? Uh, I'm going to take this chart away. and Maybe we could just talk about it for a little bit before we pull up that thread. For sure.
2: So there's a crypto bill coming to the Senate tomorrow. Pretty interesting stuff. It's going to distinguish what's a security in crypto and what's a commodity. And I've seen some complaints on Twitter talking about how the board is mostly made up out of Bitcoin maxis. I wasn't able to find this board, so I don't know how true that is. I know Michael Saylor is on this board lobbying really hard for Bitcoin. But I also saw that there's a lot of other big people in crypto and not necessarily Bitcoin on this board, uh, such as Sam Bankman-Fried and Andreessen Horowitz. And Jason Horwitz has tons of Ethereum-based investments, a lot that could probably be securities. So I'm thinking that they might protect those assets in some way. Um, But I don't even know if it's going to be a bearish sentiment if these assets become securities. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more regulation surrounding crypto assets that are securities. Now, I think Uniswap, SushiSwap, a lot of these different protocols on Ethereum will be classified as securities. So we'll see how the market reacts to that. Logan, do you think that those cryptocurrencies will
0: become securities? Uh, where do you think So the- let's maybe get into this a bit more. When you say those cryptocurrencies, you mean DeFi governance tokens? DeFi governance tokens utility is what tokens. I'm about where here. where are we gonna draw the lines here and what can we play off of this announcement? Exactly. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think the markets will move tomorrow when this bill comes out one way or another. Something else I saw is Senator Loomis said she referred to both Ethereum and Bitcoin as commodities. So I think we're safe for those two. They're going to be commodities, most likely. Everything else is kind of up in the air. But I think this may set a precedent for Alt layer ones for layer twos to be commodities as well. Uh, But maybe not. Maybe if they're not Mm. decentralized, it would be a
0: security because the network is in the hands of a select few people. I think that will Be what they determine it as, how decentralized it is. That's the thing that could actually allow this Web3 governance to scale over time and for regulators to be certain hey, this is a, a security, this is a commodity, you can tell based on this, right? We had that Howie test, Ryan, that came out 45 million years ago, and they're still using that to try to justify whether cryptocurrencies are securities or not. The rules have changed, the rules have changed a lot. Uh, And so it's very interesting. What what we're discussing here is how they're going to determine where they draw the line between a commodity and a security, Ryan. So you're familiar with the Howey test a little bit. Could you break it down for us and and where the the blurry lines are when it comes to cryptocurrencies? As far as I'm aware, it's, you know, the thought that you're making profits based off of somebody else's work. That's what makes it a security for stocks. Uh, But with a decentralized protocol, is that the same? With a centralized protocol, Is that the same is governance come into play here does utility come into play here if you can earn staking yields based off of this token does that have a factor of course it definitely does and this is what the government is going to have to break down and determine for us today um, one thing is, is clear, though, is that there will be the ability for institutions to move with clarity and know what they're doing after this comes out. So, you know, a lot there's a lot of hesitancy, understandably so, because they don't want to load up their bags with something that's about to get tanked uh, when the government changes their mind. Right. So once this happens, we will have a lot more institutional uh, you know, safety. And we should see a lot of money coming in. I'm hoping to these DeFi tokens because I can't come up with any other reason why my bags are so low right now. (laughs) can you
2: bring up a really good point about using existing frameworks for cryptocurrencies and how that may cause a problem I found this quote by somebody uh, who's been affecting this legislation and he said the challenge with creating any legislation on digital assets is most if not everything is covered by an existing law I think that could be really problematic because like you said web 3 really expands and it's not just a typical security it's not traditional finance so we need new frameworks for legislation so I'm hoping that they create some stuff new they don't just use that Howie test to decide what's a security and what's not Um, and I did look up the criteria for the Howie test since it's been a little bit since I took business law back in my college days Uh, but there's four criteria so number one investment of money you do that for crypto, but you don't really do that for airdrops. So that's kind of interesting uh, because you can invest into airdrops on the secondary market, but when you get it initially, there's no investment of money. So maybe that's a loophole that they're going to look at uh, in this new legislation. But typically, all cryptocurrencies require some type of investment of money, and that investment needs to be in a common enterprise. So maybe this is where decentralization falls in. Um, I'm not really sure where we apply this to crypto, but I guess on the protocol level. Um, and then thirdly an expectation of profit. I think we can say pretty fairly that people who invest in crypto are expecting expecting to profit from it. So I think that we have that box checked. Uh, but the last one, which I think is the most controversial, is the profits are derived from the efforts of others. So is mm-hmm. this really the case with decentralized products? Are we relying on a core team or are we relying on the entire community to govern the protocol forward? I think that's right.
0: where the biggest gray area is. Right. I think specifically for governance tokens, Uh, you know, staking aside, we'll separate that for now. If it's just a governance token, the value of that is based on the value of the, you know, the protocol and, you know, the the market sets that value, right? Uh, If you deem this governance valuable, then you can buy this token and and have that governance. So that's not really work of other people. There's nobody that's executing something that inherently makes it more valuable, right? It is a, uh, you know, market Built decentralized process so making it a security could present a lot of challenges when it comes to regulating things like governance if uh, you know all these token holders need to be included in some type of legal documents all of a sudden that is going to completely and utterly destroy uh, you know the entire idea of decentralized finance I'm sure Goldman Sachs would love that uh, But now they're kind of investing. We see these big traditional banks are investing and tied up in crypto pretty deeply now. Uh, So maybe they will continue to use their, you know, lobbying, their deep pockets to Push web three into the forefront, Ryan. I'm hoping that will be the case. Uh, you think that there's any is this, is this a bright light at the end of the tunnel? Is this going to be a good day tomorrow? Or is it going to be the end of crypto forever?
2: <laughs> I think it'll be a good day tomorrow. Loomis is a big supporter of cryptocurrency, so I do trust her. Uh, but we'll have to see what comes out of this bill tomorrow. I'm sure there'll be a lot of amendments, it's not going to go into effect right away. Uh, so like always, we'll wait and see and see how this goes. Um, Logan, WWDC was today. You're a big Apple fanboy. You love all of their products. Yep. What are some cool features? Let's break this down. I know we're a crypto show, but Apple, uh, Apple's integrating crypto
0: one way or Apple another. Apple is sure. integrating crypto at some point here. Uh, and maybe I'll pull up a little bit of article on the iOS 16 features that came out today. Um, there's some pretty interesting stuff there. Let me switch this back. And... Boom. All right. Uh, What's up, AT? They did announce the M2 chip. I'm going to have to buy another laptop. Gosh dang it. It's been like a week. Um, But here's the big announcements of iOS 16. Uh, We have some big lock screen updates. So you can customize your font now. Uh, You can do more cool things with your wallpapers. You have these widgets at the top. You can add uh, basically like your Apple Watch. You can also track weather, that type of stuff. Notifications pop up here at the bottom. They don't ruin your entire day anymore. Uh, And you can also have cool widgets for active processes that are ongoing so maybe if there's a google meet that's about to start you could pull that up if there's a sports game uh that you know you tell series your favorite team it'll have the score there for you if you order some starbucks i see that will work as well Uh, but here's the big one ryan i know this is exciting for you you can undo those i messages that you sent when you didn't want to man tell me how many times this would have come in handy Um, one million times (laughs) you can also (laughs) with this month you can also edit messages uh so if you have a little typo then you're covered. That is going to be huge. I'm definitely going to try to get that beta version today. Um, but this is a crypto show, Ryan. What are we doing here? Uh, I want to toss it out to the chat, uh, throw it out to you guys. What cryptos are you looking at this week? Team Bitcoin, Team ETH, or Team Alts? Uh, or I Team bet you, NFTs. I bet you there's some people talking about Ripple this week. Ripple could have uh, you know, a big upside if the ruling goes in their favor it could be relisted on u.s exchanges uh and you know all those ripple fanboys might be right after all, Ryan. Would you be upset about that? Do you uh, do you see their uh, no, their side? No, I
2: wouldn't be upset. Honestly, I'm praying for the Ripple fanboys to to win this case because they're Likewise. bag holders that really believe in Ripple and they can't do anything with it right now because they can't trade on exchanges. So, really, to protect investors, I think that they should, uh, you know, support Ripple in this case so they can exit the, their positions, maybe buy more, maybe profit off of it with if this case becomes favorable for XRP. Uh, But yeah, do you think that in regards to this legislation tomorrow, there might be some frameworks created for Ripple specifically, or maybe that will affect Ripple?
0: Yeah, I I think so, because we do see this thread you linked here. This will be a good transition into CBDCs and, you know, cryptocurrencies that are made for money, made for payments, just like Ripple is. Uh, So I have this thread pulled up here, Ryan. I'm not sure if you could see it um, from that far away. I can just read it out to you, and then you can give me your thoughts on them. So, you know, you, you highlighted this part about the U.S. CBDC, uh, and the, you know the language they were using around that yesterday. So. Senator Loomis said that while the digital yuan is a direct-to-customer product, the U.S. CBDC would function more like how the current Federal Reserve operates. The CBDC would go through banks domestically and internationally. They would then issue stablecoins pegged to the USD. That is ridiculous so these banks would effectively do what circle does for usdc where they take in uh you know this usd and they issue a crypto asset one for one um i didn't see this as you know something that was being talked about very much in the cbdc space before ryan what is this uh, you know, what are your takeaways from this new approach that Loomis is suggesting?
2: So I've never been one that's excited about CBDC is mostly in regards to privacy. You know, if you have a CBDC, you're not using cash, you're not using American Express. The government can see exactly what you're doing. There's some problems there in regards to privacy. But the framework that they're setting up here, uh, where they act like the Federal Reserve is pretty interesting. I think that preserves privacy. And this is probably a lot smarter way to go about it. I definitely would not recommend men copying what China does. Uh, So I'm glad that they're thinking about this in critical ways. And I'm surprised that they're looking at this at the same time as all the other cryptocurrencies. Maybe this is coming sooner than expected. uh, But this is the first I've really heard about the US really considering a CBDC. But I really like how they're looking at different frameworks and not just saying we're going to issue the CBDC. And that's that we don't really care about consumer privacy. We can do what we want. I think that would drive a lot of concerns for people. So I'm glad that they're looking at this critically,
0: yeah, I uh, I second that. You know, I think that it's going to become inevitable uh, as more assets move onto blockchains. That the U.S. government has to keep pace, so they're going to have to create a CBDC one way or another. Uh, you know, in my opinion, I think that's what they will do. Um, but it's good to see that they're you know slowing down, taking a different approach, and not copying China. That would have been worst case scenario by far. So there are some other interesting highlights uh, about Ukraine. Senator Loomis mentioned how digital assets are actually easier to track and freeze than dollars because of the speed of transactions and visibility in the blockchain. And they said it was for money laundering and dark web transactions this whole time. And they were wrong. They didn't look. It took, you know, 20, 10, not 20, 10 years. It took them 10 years. Uh, but they could have just, you know, figured it out a long time ago. You Such a shame.
2: They have figured it out 10 years ago. Yeah, I don't
0: know why they can't. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Just read the white paper. Um, all right, anything else related to this story you want to talk about, Ryan?
2: No, I think we covered the main points. I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow. I'll definitely stay on top of it. Maybe send out a couple tweets. If you guys aren't following me already, my at is RyanOnChain. No underscores, no spaces. Stay tuned.
0: Awesome. And speaking of Twitter, we have an interview today with Parcel, the CEO. Uh, and he's going to be joining us in about 10 minutes here. This is digital real estate, tokenized real estate, trying to bring the ability to invest in real estate to more people, bring it to the masses, uh, You know, sort of like Robinhood brought stocks and Wall Street to the masses. Um, Ryan, we were just talking about this book that I started yesterday uh, by Ben Mesrach about the GameStop short squeeze. So that was, you know, when we first started working here at Benzinga, uh, it was a pretty crazy time to live through. Uh, and what I'm most interested and excited for about this book is the tie-ins to cryptocurrency. This is something uh, that Ben mentioned in the intro, being one of the most exciting parts about Wall Street bets about this decentralized community of investors taking on. Wall Street. And now they have blockchain to power them. Ryan, uh, you know, we see Wall Street Best has been a little bit hesitant towards crypto for a while, uh, you know, more traditional traders, but they do like the YOLO degen trades. And that's kind of what Bitcoin and Dogecoin, you know, got them into over the last year and a half, got us into over the last year and a half. Uh, do you see these two worlds as coming together at any point in time here?
2: Yeah, I think they're already together in a lot of respects. I see crypto on Wall Street bets, and I think people are just looking to make money as fast as possible, and that comes with volatility, right? So whether that's GME pumping, AMC pumping, or buying into Bitcoin, I guess if you're looking to make money on Bitcoin over the past few months, then probably shorting it. Uh, but regardless, I think this does attract similar types of traders, maybe not so much investors. Uh, I think most people on Wall Street bets are probably trading day in and day out, uh, whether that be cryptocurrency or
0: traditional finance and what do you think about the cultural shift that we see happening on wall street bets with the you know obviously uh very not safe for work language being in the you know the common vocabulary we also see these trends in decentralization and anti-censorship uh you know when it comes to web 3 and blockchain doesn't seem like the dots have been really connected by everyone out there though would you agree i'd say yeah Mm -hmm. so how, how do we play this what's coming next?
2: I'm not sure. It's a, that's a a hard question. Do you have an opinion on that?
0: I mean, I, th- I think we take a look at things like Lens Protocol, uh, which is a decentralized social media platform. Uh, that is probably going to be a lot more censorship-resistant or censorship-proof uh, because it's decentralized. That could be something that takes over something like Twitter or Reddit one day. Maybe they'll have a governance token. Maybe they'll airdrop it to the early users. Uh, who knows? But we also see it in the you know the financial space as well. Um, you know, sometimes these big banks, Robinhood. Uh, you know, there's that huge scandal with you know they were selling their trading volume to uh, what's his name Citadel, Citadel to Citadel, yeah. uh, who had a position in the investment fund that was short gamestop right so we see this conflict of interest here uh that was made very very clear by this ape community last year do you see them eventually stumbling upon blockchain and web3 as the solution to this problem and if so what does that look like when 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 is our timeline
2: That's interesting. I think it is inevitable. Everyone will be onboarded to blockchain eventually, in my opinion. As for the timeline, I think that depends more so on the technology than society itself. I think we need to see Ethereum scale or we need to see really easy onboards to Layer 2. Right now, people don't want to use Ethereum because one, they don't know how, or two, it's just too difficult and too expensive. So we need to lower gas fees and we need to focus on onboarding and education. Once that happens and once there's a clear need for it, which I think there already is, that's when we'll see the onboarding I think this you know Elon's made the perfect storm with Twitter, talking about censorship, really mm-hmm. bringing it to the forefront of a hundred million people that follow him. So I could see, you know, Lens Protocol maybe really taking off. Maybe the deal with Twitter won't go through. This is all just speculation, but mm-hmm. maybe, the, maybe the Twitter deal doesn't go through, and Elon bring a bunch of attention to censorship on Twitter, so more people will be thinking about it. Um, and then maybe if the deal doesn't go through, people start adopting Lens Protocol more for that censorship-resistant aspect of the the platform.
0: Yeah, and maybe Twitter will adopt Lens, right? That's, I think, what a lot of people are missing is maybe Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook will all adopt Lens. Uh, that's something we could definitely see. And maybe I'll pull up that TED Talk uh, that I mentioned to you over the weekend, Ryan. This was from the head of Instagram. Uh, And he was talking about how they need to integrate blockchain uh, and, you know, connect all these platforms with a united decentralized layer underneath. This is Alex Massari. Logan, Uh, I'm curious
2: if you know the business model behind Lens Protocol and why someone like Twitter might want to create a front end for Lens and use that. Uh, if you don't, then maybe we do, like, a special episode on it or a special intro on that maybe next week because that's something that's pretty interesting to me.
0: Could you say that one more time for me?
2: Yeah, are you aware of the business models that frontends can use for the Lens protocol? Like, why Twitter would want to integrate Lens and how they would monetize? Because right now, Twitter is making money on all the user data and selling advertisements, yeah.
0: right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, here's, here's the, the counterpoint. So say that TikTok integrates Lens right? And say your favorite creator is on Lens and you follow them on TikTok, it goes through Lens and then boom, Twitter now has the ability to get this brand new user through Lens without them having to come onto Twitter and make a Twitter account. Twitter can add these users uh, and these influencers to their platform that otherwise haven't made an account just like that. And same with the users, right? Um, and so I think it's going to be a domino effect thing when we see, you know, maybe one company do it, the rest will follow the lead. So, uh, we have about five minutes until the interview. I want to play a little bit of this Ted talk from the head of Instagram. Um, Ryan, feel free to stop me at any point. But the path is
3: not a straight line. There are always bumps and detours along the way. And the internet is no exception. The original promise of the internet was to push power down into the hands of people and to to all of us. And it has. It has weakened yesterday's gatekeepers. Music labels, news publications, TV networks, they've all lost much of their power and prestige. But at the same time, the internet has created a new establishment. It's pushed power into the broadest of platforms, like Instagram. This was unexpected. But I believe that over the broad arc of history, that this unexpected outcome, this concentration of power in the hands of a handful of platforms, is not going to be a long-lasting trend. Over the next 10 years, we're going to see a dramatic shift in power away from platforms like the one that my team and I are responsible for and to a group of people I like to describe as creators. Let's define a creator as someone whose personality is their brand and who uses platforms like Instagram to turn their passion into a living. Creators like Blair Amani and D. Nice and Benny Drama. They generate new ideas, push boundaries, drive culture. We follow them just to see what they'll do next. What if we imagine a world where creators actually owned their relationship with their audience? They didn't rent it, they owned it. And where all of us were invested in their success. A world where the platforms acted more like platforms because we can and should do more to support creators. It's been maybe 50 years since the birth of the internet, and we can all see how much it has affected almost every industry, particularly the attention-based industries. Music, news, TV, art, they've all been disrupted. Musicians like Childish Gambino and Frank Ocean and Chance the Rapper, they found ways to reach an audience without a label. When Jessica Yellen was the chief White House correspondent for CNN back in 2012, that network averaged about 670,000 viewers. Today, she reaches nearly that many people on Instagram alone. Star athletes are more relevant than the teams that they play for, which would have been unheard of 50 years ago. LeBron James has more followers on Instagram than the Lakers do. Cristiano Ronaldo makes more on Instagram it has been reported than he did from Juventus. Okay, so I and my team, we work at the point where creators and audiences meet. And platforms like Instagram have done a lot to empower creators over the last 10 years. My team is obsessed with finding more ways to support creators. But if we accept that as power continues to shift towards creators, or that that's going to happen, because technology will continue to change, then we're going to have to rethink some things. Because today, creators are too dependent on too few platforms. And our role as platforms has to change. Now, I'm not saying that platforms are going to go away. New platforms will certainly rise, old platforms will certainly fall. But all platforms will, and you're already seeing this happen, understand the value that creators create. And so they'll be increasingly interested in handing more power over to creators. Now, you might think, or this might be surprising coming from me, but I think this is actually a really good thing. I think that over the long run, what's best for creators is going to be best for platforms like the one I'm responsible for. The more art there is, the more there's an exchange of ideas, the more creativity there is in the world, the better off we all are. But we haven't always seen the world this way. For the five years before I joined Instagram, I was the head of newsfeed at Facebook. I was not rolled during the US presidential election in 2016. I was not rolled during Cambridge Analytica. I traveled around the world talking to publishers and policymakers, most of whom took the time to tell me everything that we were doing wrong. I'm sure some of you hold my company and me personally accountable for all sorts of things. But I can tell you, we learned an immense amount from those experiences. I know I personally did there were a lot of lessons. And one of those lessons was how important stability and predictability were to publishers. No publisher can build a business on a platform that's too volatile, and no business should be entirely reliant on any one platform. The same is true for creators. Today, we're on the precipice of an entirely new internet built on fundamentally different technology than the tools of yesterday. New technology is making new ideas possible, Cryptocurrency, social tokens, non-fungible tokens, decentralized autonomous organizations—that one that really right? rolls off the tongue. Smart contracts. <laughs> These yeah. are a group of ideas known it's in the industry. Then the tools of yesterday. New technology is making new like ideas possible. explains blockchain. Cryptocurrency, now. social tokens, non-fungible tokens, decentralized autonomous organizations—that one really rolls off the tongue. Smart contracts. These are a group of
0: ideas known in the industry as Web three. See how he brings in all these technologies and these other buzzwords before saying blockchain. I feel like blockchain is kind of a turnoff for a lot of people that have said, oh, I don't get that. I'm going to skip it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he brings that, these yeah. other aspects in first, which I think is really interesting, and then and each he and everyone. And I like how he Web3, too, a block-
2: because people will throw Web3 around all the time, right? And people are like, what really is Web3? Is it just blockchain? Exactly. So he actually mentions all the different applications we have right now of Web3 and where it could potentially be going. Exactly. So I, I really like how he introduced A group of ideas known in the industry as yep. Web3.
3: And each and one is built on a foundation, blockchain. The important thing I understand about blockchains is that they remove the need for an intermediary. What do I mean by that? Well, each and every one of you, I am sure at some point, has put money in a bank account. And when you did that, you were actually trusting an intermediary, in this case a bank, to take care of that money on your behalf. A blockchain allows you to hold digital money, in this case a cryptocurrency, without the need to trust an intermediary or a bank. And so a blockchain offers the potential for a transfer of power. What's interesting is not holding digital money. There's nothing new about that idea. What is interesting is how power is shifting from those who have historically held it to those who have not
0: that I think is really cool too. And you know, we, so often we talk about how, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are cool because you can own your money. Digital money is not really new. It's something people are, are used to and they've seen. It's not as mind blowing as, you know, we might think it is. And it's another thing that I took away from how for he for transfer of
3: power. This. What's interesting is not holding digital money. There's nothing new about that idea. What is interesting is how power is shifting from those who have historically held it to those who have not.
0: And that is a a good stopping point uh, for that, Ryan. Do you have any big takeaways uh, real quick before we bring Trevor on to learn more about Parcel?
2: Yeah, I thought that was a really cool talk. He really drove home the point that, you know, decentralization is essentially inevitable. And it's already been occurring, just not on blockchains, right? With content creators now, you know, getting so many views and attracting so much attention. Um, Whereas before it used to be like centralized companies and news news organizations. So we've already seen that change. And now we're seeing it at an infrastructure level.
0: Yep, Ryan. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and now we should get on to today's interview. So joining us today is Trevor Bacon, CEO of Parcel, a company using blockchain to make real estate investing more accessible. Trevor, thanks for joining us.
4: Hey, fellas. What's going on? Logan and Ryan. Great to meet you.
0: Great to, for joining great us. To be here. Yeah. yeah, thank you for joining us today. Before we get into Parcel, I want to learn a little bit more about you and your background and why you work in Web3.
4: Great. Yeah. So, uh, prior to starting Parcel, I was a portfolio manager at several hedge funds. For the last five years, I've been investing in software, payments, uh, internet. And before that, I was uh, on the like the stock side at some, some large banks. Um, and I've always been a believer in transformative technologies. And I think blockchain is the one that uh, of our generation that ha- can have the most impact.
2: So, Trevor, tell us about Parcel and what problems it's solving.
4: Yeah, so we've we've continually seen um, a a unaffordable and inflated housing market and no real way to capture exposure unless someone was going to buy a house or or be an accredited investor and invest in a fund. Um, We think that um, there should be ways in which people that don't have enough money for a down payment or don't have the credit or just want to invest a portion of their savings into the real estate market. Uh, should be able to, and so we created Parcel to help solve that problem and deliver real estate to everyone.
2: That's awesome, but Parcel doesn't actually buy physical real estate. So I'm curious, Trevor, how does Parcel peg investments to real world real estate?
4: Yeah, so we are a um, what's considered a synthetic uh, real estate uh, platform. So we have uh, a team of a phenomenal team of data scientists and engineers. Uh, and researchers that um, have created price feeds that mimic the price per square foot in any given neighborhood. So if, uh, you know, I think you're in Detroit, so if the Detroit, or at least uh, one of you is, (laughs) (laughs) Um, are you both there. So uh, if we have a price per square foot in Detroit, that uh, tracks based on sales, government data and listings, whatever the going rate is in that market. So we believe that the price per square foot is the unit price of any given market. That's what, unit, that's what real estate trades on. And so we are bringing the most uh, definitive uh, uh, pricing feed to real estate. It's real time updates every day. Uh, we just published a blog on Friday uh, that talks about um, the uh, issues with current uh, price indexes and how we're going about to fix it. We'll have more details on that in the coming weeks, but, uh, but Friday lays the foundation for uh, what, we're, what we're doing.
2: So it's it's almost like a mutual fund in that it has a price per day and then it's reassessed and then you invest in it like on a daily basis. You can't do like intraday trades, for example.
4: No, you can trade intraday. So the intraday trades are based on supply and demand of the given market. We supply what we think is the peg price, which is where assets can be created uh, from market makers um, in the system.
2: So you have a data team that's collecting the price per square foot, like you mentioned, have you considered using a price oracle to remain fully decentralized?
4: Yeah, we have a pricing oracle that we use um, that is uh, a version of, of um, something that's already uh, on the Solana blockchain. Um, we continue to focus on decentralized methods one of the one of which uh uh a little further out but we can tease a little bit is uh zero knowledge so zero knowledge proofs are a new way of validating data through code um and uh that's a a, a trend that will likely pick up steam into the summer we've seen some large raises uh from some killer teams in in that zone so we're going to hopefully partner with one of them and then use their their uh, solution and platform to validate our prices in a decentralized and zero-knowledge way.
2: That's cool. Thank you for that roadmap sneak peek. Um, I'm curious, so you mentioned that there actually are intraday trades, so if a day trader wants to come onto Parcel, they can and they could invest in synthetic real estate. Super cool. Uh, but I'm curious, what kind of investors do you see using Parcel? Are they mostly traders or are they mostly investors?
4: Yeah, so initially we hope we hope both. Um, we think traders can, can make money on the platform and we also see a need for um, more stable, especially of late, more stable assets within a well-balanced crypto portfolio. So real estate obviously is not as volatile as traditional protocol tokens. Uh, we want to create a, a way for folks to get diversified exposure, have a safe, balanced, healthy portfolio. Um, so that type of investor will likely be more of a long term -term in nature, Uh, but we do think um, there are ways in which to profit uh, strictly from trading as well.
0: Yeah, so I could jump in with a question here, Ryan. Um, Accessibility is a really key uh, focus of your ethos, uh, making this real estate product more accessible to people with smaller budgets uh, and less credit, like you said. When it comes to attracting the market makers, however, uh, you know, these people are going to have bigger volumes uh, and potentially might want something more secure like Ethereum. So if you could talk about balancing your decision uh, between Ethereum, Solana, why you opted for Solana. I'm very curious to hear.
4: Yeah, so it's multifold. So I think Solana has the potential to reach a broader set of, of consumer, given the scale and speed. We also see a, a, a very solid um, wallet ecosystem. So I think uh, Phantom, for example, is what we've come to expect from a from a, a, a user perspective. Given we've been spoiled uh, via Web two and the user interfaces that we've been using for quite some time, uh, I think uh, with respect to if we um, consider Ethereum, you know, that's not impossible for us to do. We're not. Um, We aren't uh, bound to Solana, but Solana is a great partner. They're investors. We love them. Um, And I think over time, um, it it will be the 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 chain that scales. Um, And we've seen actually some some consumer apps um, actually scale quite nicely on Solana of late. Step in in particular, which is a step to earn protocol. But we but that's kind of the the uh, kind of validates the thesis.
0: That's great. So there are a few other products on the market right now that make it easy for people to invest uh, in real estate with smaller sums of money, uh, but none of them are involving the blockchain. So if you could talk about why this makes it unique and what advantages this affords to the purchasers, to the investors.
4: Yeah. So the reason why we, we again, we, we identified the problem of, of um, an unequal and, and uh, limited opportunity within the real estate market uh I think uh there have been attempts at fractionalizing or tokenizing real estate uh The key there, though is or the key hurdles for those um those uh methods are uh lack of scale because in order to actually offer a fractionalized or tokenized property, you need to own it, so therefore you need the capital and uh, to put a down payment and secure a mortgage against it so it takes a lot of uh, capital and then also time. Each time you buy a house, it takes a while to close, right? So you can't have that much supply come online before, uh, before you know it, the, the supply or the equity of the house that one is selling gets uh, eaten up and there's not that much opportunity actually. It, it, you, you, you have a limited amount of, of supply for folks to invest in. So what we're doing is cre- DeFi has offered a, a new way to form capital in liquidity pools, um, and we have the reference price that we're offering people to trade against, and that's uh, how we're we're approaching it. And we think it's a much scale, much more scalable uh, solution.
0: Very interesting. And synthetics are a big product already in the traditional real estate market. Uh, what's the selling point for these market makers, these whales, to uh, you know use Parcel and come onto the blockchain?
4: Yeah, so, so first, uh, we're offering the first of its uh, first of its kind uh, uh, protocol. Um, so we think we can gain a decent amount of, of li- we can gain the lion's share of folks looking to trade uh, uh, real estate on chain. Uh, the key for market makers is generating yield on their capital. Um, and if we can generate trades, they can de- generate uh, capital or they can generate return on their capital. So just given we think there's a massive pool of folks both already in the crypto ecosystem, or we can bring to the crypto crypto ecosystem to trade on top Mm -hmm. of parcel on top of the protocol, we think that that should generate enough uh, APR APY for folks to put uh, their capital into the system as market makers.
0: Very cool. And synthetics uh, are a big opportunity in the NFT space. I know this isn't directly related to what you guys do, but maybe it it could be in a way, right? Everybody's trying to figure out how do we gamble on floor prices of projects? How do we see if they're going to go up or down? Uh, Everybody's trying to figure out how to make a market around these that expands on, you know, the 10,000 illiquid JPEGs in the collection. So could synthetics be used here? Is this something you guys are interested in at all?
4: Yeah, we think there's a broad use case of um, of uh, uh, synthetic type uh, uh, instruments. Um, for now, though, where we are, real estate is is a massive, massive market. Uh, it's the most illiquid market at the same time. So it's about it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, financial market. Also, the most illiquid. So there's a huge opportunity here to bridge the gap. We're really focused on that. Um, we think that there are other opportunities to bring different types of synthetic uh, price tracking me- mechanisms on chain. But for right now we're, we're going to focus on, on the real estate market.
0: Awesome.
2: And you guys have a native token, uh, parcel token. Where does that come into play?
4: Yeah. So parcel uh, we'll, we'll launch, we'll look to launch a governance token um, a, a bit after we launched the protocol. Um, it will help govern and secure, uh, the the protocol and help generate rewards um, either for current users or future users um, on the on the platform. So it'll be a governance token.
2: Okay, and what kind of rewards can you get by providing liquidity in Parcel, or is that yet to be seen?
4: It's yet to be seen with respect to the. So we view rewards as, as twofold. So there's organic, which is a piece of. Uh, the trade. Um, so each trade has a fee that goes to mostly to market makers, the major 80% of the trading fee will go to market makers. And so um, that is how we're, uh, you know, that's the incentive for market makers to uh, participate. I'd also note that real estate is somewhat lower volatility. So their vol volatility adjusted returns um, can be quite attractive. And in the future, there's obviously the potential to use our governance token should we need to to um, to participate in, in uh, rewards.
2: And on the topic of market makers, how does impermanent loss on parcel compare to impermanent loss for, say, ERC-20 tokens on Uniswap or SushiSwap? I know you mentioned they're less volatile. Does that come into play? Um, and are there any other nuances with providing liquidity in an AMM specifically for real estate investments?
4: Uh, So just a a couple nuances. One, uh, we are using a a, uh, Uniswap V3 style model um, to provide liquidity. So that means it's concentrated uh, hopefully around our reference price or Oracle price that we're piping in into Mm -hmm. the system. Uh, That's just one nuance. Otherwise, uh, it follows a very similar pattern. Impermanent loss would just be a function of underlying supply and demand. Uh, But That said, we do have mechanisms to try to keep the price at peg and um, we do imagine a a lower volatility than um, most tokens, just given that we, we want to be as representative of the underlying market as possible.
0: And just to make it clear for the users out there, uh, Parcel is not own any real estate. They're not issuing any tokens for people to buy other than the governance token. Um, but you're not putting properties out there. Uh, you're not putting synthetics out there. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's you're just releasing a platform to the market. That's what this protocol is, right? It's just a platform for people to create tokens. How, how, what does that look like? So if I want to create a Detroit token uh, and you know let somebody buy or sell that, how would that? Yeah look like?
4: Yeah, so it, it functions much like uh, a collateralized debt protocol or think of like MakerDAO or, or to create DAI, you put a dollar of one p- form of collateral into the contract and you get a dollar out, right? So if we say, uh, let's just hypothetically say Detroit is $250 a square foot in order to mint a, uh, a synthetic uh, square foot of, of Detroit uh, Logan and Ryan would over collateralize that. So let's just say for argument's sake, 120%. So you put $300 into the Detroit contract and you'd receive one parcel of Detroit. So that's, uh, that's how you create the asset. That's how it's backed by a form of an asset. That's not real estate, but crypto. So
0: what
2: happens say if crypto crashes 50% and real estate goes up 50%, What's the liquidation process like? How do you how do you stop investors from becoming illiquid in that way?
4: Yeah, so we have, uh, so to start, we're using only stable coins. So U.S. dollars pegged to um, uh, our reference price or, or, or various synthetic tokens. Um, we will, um, so we would imagine that hopefully we'd be almost unaffected by that. But like a real estate crash would be a different scenario. Um, but... Um, we would hopefully be un- unscathed by that uh, with res- and l- when we introduce new collateral though, uh, that's where uh, our collateral rates will go higher. So if we have a Solana versus Detroit, that's gonna be a higher, uh, that's gonna be a higher um, collateralization rate versus uh, USDC versus Detroit, as you can imagine. Uh, that said, we do have liquidation functions that um, would call uh, unhealthy positions that are under collateralized and, and uh, arbitra- arbitrage seeking or, arbitra- or profit seeking arbitrageurs would uh, liquidate a position that's unhealthy at a discount, which is the incentive to keep your position involved healthy in the system for market makers.
2: Interesting, and I'm curious, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, though this is just from my research earlier, uh, the automated market makers is technically what's taking the other side of the trade. So does profit come at the expense of these liquidity providers when somebody's trading on the platform, or where does the profit actually come from?
4: Yeah, so just like uh, that is correct. So the risk is, again, in all decentralized exchanges, is that of impermanent loss. And so the, um, the profit would come from... A, the, the profit if it goes up but the profit if it goes down would be the other side so um, you are somewhat synthetically short but you, on the other side you get the trading fees associated with the, the trading in any specific region
2: and that's that's the case for stable coins and then when crypto gets involved it's a whole other story I guess because there's volatility on both sides it's not I guess you'd be going short the crypto against the real estate at that point
4: yeah, so it would be, it's similar to any other AMM. So we're not, we're not, we're not different in, in the sense that you'll always have market risk. I think with a dollar, with the stable coin, you have less market risk because it, it stays relatively flat. Um, and it's almost unimpacted by moves as we've seen for, for those centralized uh, US, USDC, USDT, et cetera. So, um, Yeah, uh, it would be much. It would be the same market risk as as it would at any other AMM. That's
2: actually so fascinating. So, other than other than parcel tokens and other than stablecoins, which cryptocurrencies are you looking to add to the platform in the future?
4: So, Solana is obviously one that is native to our protocol. Um, So, and and it's the the lowest, uh, probably the lowest friction uh, to to add. So we'll, uh, that's one we're exploring. Uh, And then obviously, the big, the big, um, the big uh, 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 coins, such as Bitcoin or Ethereum, should the bridges be functional, Uh, but Solana would be the first on, on the docket.
0: Awesome. So I'm not sure if you are too caught up on the crypto legislation that's coming out. Basically, they're going to determine what's a security and what's not in the crypto space. Uh, when it comes down to fungible and probably non-fungible tokens as well. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. If you know anything about it, how it might, uh, you know, impact business. Um, if you don't care and it doesn't seem like a concern to you, that'd also be a, an interesting signal.
4: Now, so we're uh, we're very aware of of um, legislation and we, we have folks that help monitor, um, any, any, uh, ongoings in, in DC. Um, we try to make the best decisions with the information, uh, that we have at hand right now. I think the government is, um, slow to move and somewhat unvague or, or there's no real, uh, way, uh, in terms of guidance that they've provided. Um, So we'll remain uh, compliant in all ways that we can. We hope that over time, they can adopt something more flexible, something more accommodative for folks trying to uh, drive innovation forward and drive technology forward uh, versus viewing it as a punishment. Because we're here, we're creating jobs for the the country, we're pushing forward on innovation and having it stigmatized as a negative is very frustrating.
0: With the way that Uh, you know, the banks have wrapped themselves into Web3 these days. Are you optimistic uh, that they'll be able to continue influencing legislation as they have for a long time?
4: Um, You know, I think they're they're uh, keeping it uh, you know, they're smart to get involved. I think it's it's a clear um, trend that uh, somewhat challenges uh, historical um, profit centers for banks. So Uh, You know, I think if their intentions are correct, it would be great to have them on our side. Um, And hopefully, and I do think that they're making strides with respect to adoption, offering products, uh, and just supporting the ecosystem more so than they have been in the prior several years.
0: Awesome. And, uh, you know, something a lot of people out there are probably wondering is if this product, if this uh, protocol has the ability or or future ability to do options uh, and add leverage to these positions?
4: Yeah, we, uh, w- when there's enough um, dollar liquidity, we'll look to partner with uh, a lending market on Solana. With respect to options we've seen, um, I would say that uh, the first and foremost, we want to make sure that our, our system is safe and stable and secure. And so uh, sometimes uh, with under collateralized positions, you can have instability as we've seen in the last uh, couple months. Uh, which can lead to, to some pretty bad results. So we're launching with an over collateralized system that is safe and secure. Uh, in the future, we'll look to add leverage. Once liquidity is there, we can go to the lending markets and add leverage into the, into the system. And then you can get leverage externally from our system on other markets and bring it to parcel as well. Like if you were borrowing against a certain collateral, you could come to Parcel and use it. Uh, and then, uh, with respect to options, we'll, we'll, we'll evaluate um, what uh, which protocols we could compose with right now uh, to see if there anything makes sense. And then, in the future, if, if not, we'll look to develop uh, internally if if the market uh, is interested in something of the sort.
0: Awesome. And, uh, you know, speaking of the future, your road wrap right now says coming soon. Uh, when could we look out for that? And if you have any other sneak peeks, uh, exciting things, uh, that might get the interested, the, the users, the viewers out there interested, um, that'd be great.
4: Yeah. Great. So yeah, we've done several test nets. The first test net, um, was accompanied by our NFT HOA, it's uh, the Homeowners Association, (laughs) Uh, 7,777 unique homes across Miami, New York, uh, uh, Arizona and LA, and then uh, hopefully we'll add Detroit sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, so uh, that was, went very well. We had 300,000 transactions, 70,000 users and uh, 25,000 Typeform feedback submissions. Uh, we did another uh, uh, test net, uh last week or two weeks ago, uh, not incentivized this time for, and ran for half the time. It had 16,000 submissions, about 30,000 users. And we're going to do one more because our system is very complicated. We want to make sure it's secure. We're going to do one more in a couple of weeks. Once that's complete, we'll launch the, the protocol live. Um, and then, um, you know, stay tuned for token launch uh, and future product uh, updates as
0: well. Awesome. Where can the users go to keep up with these updates?
4: So uh, on the protocol side, uh, it's parcel.co, P-A-R-C-L dot C-O. And then our data is coming from uh, our, our Parcel Labs initiative. That's ParcelLabs.com. Uh, we published our first uh, insight last week and um, are are going to continue to, to uh, uh, provide content around our price feeds and and to build trust and 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 we'll be very transparent around that uh initiative um so stay tuned and then twitter obviously parcl we have the handle
0: all right i dropped them both in the chat uh this is a very exciting project i'm definitely going to stay tuned uh and and sorry if i missed this but when will i be able to use this platform when will i be able to go on and, and buy some detroit uh you know synthetic real estate
4: uh
0: mid mid to late july mid to late july all right awesome trevor trevor thank you thank you so much for your time today if you have anything else any uh upcoming news that we haven't gotten to or any other shout outs you might want to make uh the floor is yours
4: no, thank you. Thank you all for having me. Everyone in the audience. Thank you so much. The only thing coming up is we're giving away a house with the Dabakinsu, your very own nice. uh, old Detroit go Lions. Lions. Uh, so we're um, we're going to give away a house with our NFT proceeds. Stay tuned. Uh, it'll start to go on the uh, it'll start to be uh, more visible on our Twitter. We have five finalists. We'll be voting soon. Um, and so stay tuned. We're excited for that.
0: Awesome, Trevor. Thank you so much.
4: All right. Take care. Thank you so much.
0: All righty. Ryan, the resident real estate expert here on Moon or Bust. What do you make of the project, the protocol, the interview?
2: It's another banger. I liked it a lot. A lot of these protocols are really early right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they develop, uh, but really early stages.
0: Uh, So, Ryan, unfortunately, your mic is off. Um, Luckily, he had been able to hear your questions through my microphone. You say something? Hello? Hey, it's back.
2: Yeah, I thought it was super interesting. I mean, these protocols are in the really early days of development, so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, We interviewed Bacon Coin uh, like four months ago doing something kind of similar, but they're actually tokenizing mortgages. Uh, This one's going about it a very different way on a completely different platform, so it's cool to see this competition. It's cool to see this innovation at such early stages. I mean, this is really day one for this type of stuff, and it's going to take probably five years to a decade to really get to the point where these companies, are actually you
0: know, achieving the mission they set out to accomplish. You're definitely on the rocket ship right now. Moon or bust, to be determined. Uh, Ryan, I couldn't agree with you more on all of those sentiments. Uh, this was a great episode. Anything else you want to end the day with, or should we wrap it up? Let's wrap. All right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you smash the like button so more people can see this content and drop a comment below if you enjoyed it. Or if you want to see something different, let us know that in the chat down below. That is it for Moon or Bust today. Your home, all things crypto at Benzinga. Make sure to follow me and not Ryan on Twitter. It's in the description. Peace out.